it'll test you and it has to be a passion because otherwise you just give up and you move on to the next thing. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome back to the Wild Business Growth Podcast. This is your place to hear from a new entrepreneur every single Wednesday morning who's turning wild ideas into wild growth. I'm your host, Max Brandstetter, founder and podcast producer at Max Podcasting. And you can email me at max at maxpodcasting.com to save time with your high-quality podcast. This is episode 236, as in 2 times 3 equals 6, which is your math lesson for the day. <laughs> and today's guest is Stan Mirzaev. Stan is the CEO and co-founder of PartsPass, and he's a serial entrepreneur who has a long line of businesses and an incredible upbringing and story. Stan, when he was four years old, his family moved from the Soviet Union to the U.S. with essentially no money and needed to find jobs and establish a life here ASAP, and they have established a family of entrepreneurs and fast forward to parts pass and stan has created the new way to order car parts it's as simple as getting the app taking a picture of your car you can find the car part in seconds and it gets delivered to you and you can either work on it yourself or take it to your local auto shop in this episode we talk the story behind all those things tweaking the app and tweaking your business and dealing with the roller coaster up and downs of of being an entrepreneur and a little TMI about hot dogs. Speaking of Parts Pass, Stan is kind enough to offer a discount code for wild listeners that is 15% off any order, $10 or more. That discount code is WBGP15, as in Wild Business Growth Podcast 15. WBGP15. It is Stan the Man. Enjoy the show. Alrighty, we are here with Stan Mirzaev, founder of Parts Pass, serial entrepreneur in the auto space. Uh, super cool dude with a, a super cool story. Stan, uh, super coolly excited to speak with you today. How are you doing today? Hey, Max, it's uh, super cool to be here. <laughs> wow it's uh, wow they we rehearsed that script perfectly no but really really excited to talk about your super cool story but, but before we get into the parts pass story you just have an amazing background uh, you know just to use a different adjective there and you hear about entrepreneurs that sometimes come from different countries at a young age and come to the u.s and kind of fall in love with that entrepreneurial spirit and in your case, you came to the U.S. when you were four years old. Can, can you give us a snapshot of what your life was like as a four-year-old coming to the U.S. for the first time? Yeah, absolutely. I give it up to my parents. They're the ones that actually took initiative and picked up the family and moved us across the country or across the world, better yet. In the early 90s, the Soviet Union fell apart and my parents had to flee. And with just the clothing on their back and $400, they set sail to find a new life. Uh, the downside of that is my father was a very well-established entrepreneur. So I guess you could say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree in that sense. My dad had multiple apartment buildings, had uh, a couple of businesses and multiple vehicles. 
And when he made the decision to pick up and leave, unfortunately, he couldn't take any of that or any of the proceeds with him to America. It belonged to the government, so it was all communism. And my father knew that he can rebuild. And that's exactly what he did. He picked up everything in just a couple of suitcases, $400 in his pocket, two kids, a wife, and started a new life for himself in Queens, New York, where he went straight into the workforce. My mom actually stayed at home and raised the kids, and she went to school to learn the language. My father went straight into the workforce, and he became a a mechanic, specifically working overnight at a very busy taxi garage. And through the years, my father really put his own personal feelings and goals aside and just kept his head down and worked for, I believe it was about five years uh, before he bought his first business in Queens, New York. And throughout junior high school and high school, I found myself working alongside my dad. And as I got older, I actually saw the stress that my father went through. So I knew that instead of working somewhere else, I wanted to help my father. And together, we've actually built a couple of businesses and sold them as well left New York shortly after 9-11 and relocated to Phoenix, Arizona, where I currently live. So your life and your family's life is, it sounds like something from a movie. I mean, I just can't imagine like everything that you went through every day and moving to a different country with a different language is one thing, but also, you know, having $400 to your name, having to find a job, make money right away. Like that is a ton. Meanwhile, you're probably like screaming and in diapers throughout all that. Uh, no, but <laughs> how, how did your dad with barely knowing any English at the time, how did he get started? Like how, how did he find a mechanic job and actually start the crazy, uh, what they call it? Graveyard shift. Yeah. The graveyard shift. So, you know, immigrants really have a hard time coming here. And there's a few programs that actually help immigrants get the ball rolling, right, for the first few steps. And uh, for example, we were sponsored and an organization stepped in and uh, provided us the capital for the airline tickets that we needed. And uh, my father actually, his first job was selling hot dogs as a hot dog vendor. And he's like, the person was giving him maybe $20 a day. And my dad said, no way, no how. He had a little bit of experience with vehicles. Again, you know, during the communist party, you weren't able to own multiple vehicles. You had a set income and for anyone to have new vehicles was was very questionable. So he would fix cars and sell them and kind of made a profit that way under the table. So he knew that he had some sort of experience with with cars. And uh, we had a family member that said, you know, fixing cars here in the US is big money, maybe you should look into that. And just with the small amount of knowledge he had on how certain cars work, he kind of was pretty confident to go into the taxi garage and apply for a position and working graveyard, it wasn't as busy. In, in Manhattan. So he kind of learned along the way. So it took a, a couple of years for him to really understand how these certain vehicles work. And just after a few years after that, he was able to take a part of an, an engine, rebuild it in just a, a few hours. So he was one of the top producers in his in his environment of, of repairs. Yeah, I'm exhausted and 
feel like a vampire just from hearing the the hours that he works but there's a real beauty in that that yeah you know the, the hours suck but if it's quieter it does give you more time to to really learn the craft when you you and your family moved to Arizona and your dad started the auto shop which you ultimately you know became part of an owner and learned a ton there as well at what point along that journey did you yourself first find that spark of interest in the auto space I've gained an appreciation for the automotive industry because I changed my perspective on it, right? So it's not just I'm going in there, I'm fixing a car and I'm going home. Through the years, I started really developing a relationship with our clients and I found myself giving them you know, financial advice. I found myself being their psychologist where I'm giving them life experience advices because at that point I was in my early 20s and growing up in a big city like New York City, you really grow very quick and you get to experience a lot. So coming to Phoenix, I I was fortunate enough to grow up in a big city, but I took that with me into Phoenix, Arizona, where things weren't as quick. So my perspective, like I said, changed and I started getting an appreciation because I was in a position to help people. And that really uh, made the world of a difference. So I would show up at work, I would have clients come in and I would figure out a way, whether it be a payment plan or going off of urgency of what needed to be repaired, I found myself giving back. And that was the most valuable part for me over the years of providing good service and providing a relationship to the community. And that customer service, like you you can just feel that customer service has been a priority to go over the top. And uh, it's not enough to work around the clock as a a mechanic and a business owner in an auto shop that you got to work full-time as a psychologist as well. (laughs) So I like the philosophy there. And at a certain point, you, in addition to the physical auto shop you had, you, you started parts detect, which is a little kind of foreshadowing to parts pass. So parts detect, what, what was the biggest thing that you learned from starting kind of a separate, I don't know if you want to call it adjacent or supplementive, like an additional business in the auto space? Yeah. So through the years, I, as much as I love the automotive space, I've always wanted to venture out and the garages was my backbone, but I wanted to try different things. So I would go, uh, I actually had a portion of a, a pawn shop and I got my real estate license and I was doing flipping and I also had my mortgage originating license, so I would do loans, right? So I tried different industries, but for me, nothing really clicked. And I said, let me start looking at the automotive industry because I know that so well. And let me see if I can improve just a small little piece of it. And then I started asking myself a question. If I was to improve any part of it, what part would I improve? And the logistics behind part procurement, part sourcing was such a headache for everyone involved, right? Because you have five to six different local suppliers like the AutoZone, the Pep Boys of the world. And to find a replacement part, I would have to call these suppliers and I would be placed on hold. And then I have to go into this script of here's the year that make the model, here's the engine size, do you have this part? And they would go on their computer and they would look it up and they would tell me whether or not they had it. And then they would tell me what the price is and then they would give me the warranty. And I would always shop around because at the end of the day, it trickles down to the customer. For me, the most important thing is to provide customers with great service, a great product and the price structure that can really fit their pockets, right? So I started calculating the amount of time that I would spend calling these different suppliers and I would average 10 to 15 minutes per car. 
and working on average six cars a day, that was over an hour of my time completely wasted. And I was like, maybe I can create something that can source replacement parts from all these different suppliers. And the idea was born for Parts Detect. And what we did with Parts Detect is we created an MVP, which is a minimal viable product, just something that we sketched in. And I recruited my cousin, Alex, who's our lead developer. And actually he went to Hacker Academy School to learn coding because of this idea. So we put, we put together MVP and we went door to door selling to these large Fortune 500 companies telling them, hey, here's the idea, here's the problem, and here's how we're gonna solve it. And slowly but surely they started signing up. And then we had five of the nation's largest part suppliers as our partners. So a mechanic would use our free application to, first of all, decode a vehicle, right? So we had a VIN scanner that allowed somebody to take a picture of the VIN and our system would decode that year, make, model, and engine size. And then we integrated all these different part suppliers on one single platform. So you would look for a radiator, for example, and then we would show you which supplier had it in stock, how much that price was, what the warranty is, and about five different images. So you could do a shop comparison, a marketplace, for example, uh, on one single search, which would take about 10 seconds. And you can place an order directly from the app and have it delivered to your shop. And that's where we found success. We alleviated a huge bottleneck for the hundreds of thousands of mechanic shops across the country. There's no greater motivator than saving time. I, I mean, no one likes to waste time. And so I think starting a business around saving that time is a fantastic place to be. So let's get to saving more time. And this time with the, the end consumer in mind. And so let's talk parts pass. So there's some similarities between parts detect and parts pass. And I think this is a super cool new business to get into and again, can save so much time and, and, and energy for, for consumers. Where did the aha moment happen for you that, Hey, we can, we're doing this for mechanics already. We can do something like this for consumers. Dealing with customers on a day-to-day -day basis, they're always trying to save money. At the end of the day, I understand that because a vehicle is the second biggest investment a person makes, the first being their home primary residence. So I totally understood that. Before we started thinking how we can bring value, I knew that the general public wanted an easier way to source replacement parts. And the aha moment came when I would go and pick up replacement parts from my local parts supplier. And I would see the line of consumers waiting to speak to the counter representative. And everyone was just, it was a very uncomfortable situation, right? So a consumer is waiting in line and then they, they approach the counter person. The counter person could have a really bad day and they're projecting that on the consumer, which is just wrong. Secondly, the consumer has to know vehicle specifications. And if you don't know it, then it's make things that much more friction involved. Secondly, sometimes the parts are not in stock. And we're just talking on a local brick and mortar, you know, just go to your local parts suppliers. And then we're talking about next, we're going to pivot into the, the internet sales of things, right? You have the Amazon, you have the eBay, and then you have the World Wide Web. So you really don't know what you're getting when you're buying from eBay or from Amazon. The search engine there is just not great, right? So the search engine, the algorithm will pick up certain keywords, 
but it won't fit that part with that vehicle. The, the chances are really low that you're gonna get something that fits precisely. So we knew that we can bring innovation, bring value to the consumer, a direct to uh, consumer approach where we can bring value by creating an easier way for them to search for parts. It's not just that. We knew there's a couple of different things that I stated that we have to bring. We have to bring a better user experience. We have to bring quality replacement parts and we have to give them the price structure that makes sense, right? So taking all that into consideration, we knew we had something and we knew that we can bring all that in a nutshell to the general public. And that's when Parts Pass was born. It's a beautiful birth. Checking out your website, checking out your app. I think there's there's beauty in that simplicity there. The fact that you can take a picture of your car or part of your car and the app will, will, will figure it out for you. Where was the insight to make things so simple for the end consumer? Yeah, so when, when we gathered, my, my team and I, so I'm quote unquote the industry expert and then I have my chief technology officer and we're like thinking, okay, for, for a person to use this, where's the market going, right? So it's all about simplicity, just a couple of clicks or a couple of pictures and the system should really take it one step further. So. My, my, my chief technology officer, he's the, he's the one that said, you know what, we have artificial intelligence available at our fingertips. I really think that we should embed that into the app. And that's where we built the Parse Pass uh, platform around. We knew that we wanted to have AI embedded in it. And it took a while for us to, to get that software, to implement it, to test it, to make sure that it works. And we implemented it, we launched it, and it was just crickets. <laughs> it was crickets, man. You would think that people would go crazy over this technology, that they want an easier way to search for parts. And the first thing is, let me just take a picture of my car. And we were surprised, super surprised, where when we started looking at the numbers and there was just maybe one or two a day. And we're like, something is not right. And I'm like, the whole time, I'm thinking from a user's perspective, I'm thinking about the person that's either on the couch, in their bedroom, in their office, they don't have accessibility to their car, right? So I'm like, we need to embed a different option. We need to give people more options. So option two was to have the traditional drop-down menu. So you can go in there and select year, make, model, engine size, and then a trim. And then once we implemented that, then the numbers started growing very quickly on a day-to-day -day basis, right? So we're like, aha, uh -huh we found the problem. The problem is that people, maybe they're not ready for it. Maybe they don't want to take a picture of their car. Whatever it may be, there was a huge difference in the amount of people that started using the app because they had the accessibility of that traditional, as I call it, drop-down menu. The, uh, one of the icons of the internet, the drop-down menu. What did that testing and learning process look like when you started diving into that AI and tech side? As a startup founder, every single option or every single version of the app that you release, you're just grounded down and you're pulling your hair out because you want it to succeed because you put so much time and energy into it, right? Not only your own, but the whole team is very much involved and everyone puts their time and energy into it. It can be weeks, it can be months, and then you launch it and then you're waiting. And then the worst Thing that can happen is nothing at all right the best thing is that people start interacting with it and then you actually get some sort of a feedback so that feedback is so valuable 
especially in the beginning stages where people are telling you pretty much what works, what doesn't, what they want, what they don't want. And you have to listen, adapt, and move very quickly. That sounds like a tattoo I should get is to listen, adapt, and move very quickly. Uh, not, I don't have any tattoos, but it's got a good ring to it. And I, I mean, I could just picture you like slamming your head against the desk over and over again because it is like it's anticlimactic until you really do start to see like you know the numbers tick up and and users start to use it and use it at the time of this recording how many versions of the app have you released so for us it, it's, it's it's crucial to release new versions on a weekly basis so we're probably at i'd say about 16 versions that we've released so far in the middle of that we've had some problems that it took longer than we expected to solve. Things happen, right? So you prepare for the worst, but when it happens, I mean, it gets even worse than the worst. So there's certain times where you need to really ground yourself and understand what the mission is and never keep your eyes off the prize because the universe has a way of testing your dedication, your devotion to your craft. And I believe wholeheartedly that if you just keep pushing that there's light at the end of the tunnel and success is there not too far away from that how do you like in those moments when the universe is saying like hey we're, we're gonna screw with you dude <laughs> how, how, how do you stay committed and kind of push on and, and stay motivated in those moments yeah the, the universe definitely does and if it's not the universe then you have your your significant other or you have your team members or you have if you have investors, right, you have a board, there's so many different moving parts. And as a, a founder, you have to really find Zen, you have to find a way to, to shut the noise out, and really focus on yourself, because mental health is such an important factor. For me, there's a lot, there's, there's a couple of ways that I just remove myself, because there's been multiple times where I question, is it really worth it? Do I really want to do this? Do I need to pursue it? Will it even work? I removed myself from the situation. And one of the quotes that's always rent-free in my head is, this too shall pass. So when I find myself at my lowest low, I remind myself that this too shall pass. And I get back up and I move on. And I tell myself, give yourself 24 hours. If you still feel the same way tomorrow, then look at it. Like Then you can dig into it. But most of the time, I'm like, okay, I was just more emotional at that point, and I want to continue. I want to move forward because I remember the mission. And then at the same time, this too shall pass. When things are going great, it gives me an opportunity to just pause and soak it all in because these are the moments that I really appreciate. And of course, you can't have the great without the bad and the bad without the great. So it kind of comes in in different forms, but at the same time, Having that quote in the back of my head, live rent-free, and I recite it to myself multiple times a day, it's the driving force that allows me to take another step and take another step and take another step. So that's kind of what works for me. Yeah, I think it was Tim Ferriss in 4-Hour Workweek said that like 99.999% of things that can happen on a work day, like as, as bad as it feels or like as big or like a bummer of a thing that happened at work feels like or, or, or business deal went wrong, something like that. The vast majority of things, like in the grand scheme of things, when you when you zoom out, 
you know, they're not going to make or break your business. They're not a huge deal in your business or your life. Like, I, I think that approach of giving it a day, you know, breathing is a phenomenal way to go about it. I'm also laughing because you you use the term moving parts and said there's a lot of moving parts where your business is literally moving parts. <laughs> <laughs> that it is. Yeah, we have we have 27 distribution centers across the country. We have over 2.1 million parts and there's a lot of moving parts. And especially, I mean, that's just on the on the front end of things, right? The back end is a completely different beast. We have fitment data for vehicles. We have fitment data for parts and let alone that AI. And it's an amazing piece of software that we have that allows you to take a picture of pretty much any side of your vehicle, whether it's the back, the side, the front, the quarter panel, the fender area. So it's it's really robust and it's pretty impressive. I'm not gonna lie about that. So there's a lot of moving parts on the back end, on the front end with shipping and everything else involved. So there's there's quite a bit, yes. <laughs> you don't need to lie at all. It's, it, it is very impressive. And I'm just trying to wrap my head around the size of it. I mean, you mentioned 27 distribution centers, millions of parts. How did you scale up the business to the point that well, I guess one on the on the business sense that the business can operate at such a large level, and then two on your own sense that you're like not going crazy trying to keep all these things in track. Don't let me fool you. I'm a little crazy. I have my ways, I guess you can say. <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite quotes, another one is by Ben Horowitz that said, as a startup CEO, I slept like a baby, which means that I woke up multiple times throughout the night and I cried, right? <laughs> so that just landed with me really well. Now I don't cry, but at the same time I do toss and turn because I'm wondering, you know, what the next step is or what's going on or how many orders do we have or how many new users, how can we grow, how can we bring innovation? So taking all that in consideration, it's something that I again it's it's more of a passion, right? So anyone that's building a business or or a startup at that if this is more of a fly by night company, it's one thing, but it'll test you and it has to be a passion because otherwise you just give up and you move on to the next thing. I've done that in the past, in my early twenties, where I thought I found something, I did it for a few months and I was like, well, you know, the flame burned out. Uh, with this is completely different. If the flame is burning out, I find the gasoline and I'm constantly <laughs> watering it and making sure that the flame is always lit. I guess you can say. I'm a big fan of your use of quotes, but also your use of analogies as well. Uh, if only I could think of an analogy to put into perspective how wonderful that is. And, and when you look at Parts Pass as a whole, I mean, you've seen awesome growth there and just the journey from idea to how large scale it is is, is pretty crazy. Besides trying out you know, the different features of the app and like the tech side of it, what would you say has been the most effective way that you've been able to grow Parts Pass? A great product on its own will pick up momentum, but in the beginning stages, no one hears about it. No one knows what it is. So we have an internal marketing team that understands our mission, understands the struggle themselves. And after all, they own their own cars and they went to the dealership and the dealership has told them, hey, you need a new cabin air filter. It's $165. And they're like, what? I can get it on parts pass for 10 bucks, right? So they understand it. I guess they, they, they want to pass along the message that they've 
went through the same problems and that there's a solution. So for us, our marketing team, which is really great, is all women, right? So for us, they do a fantastic job of connecting with women, with men, and just everyone in general. Because if we're being honest here, there's a lot of, I guess it's more predatory when a woman goes into a repair shop or to a parts house. So it's a fairly male dominant industry. It's one of those things that we want to make it as easy as possible for the general public to use our app, but specifically for those that have that stigma or have that uneasy feeling when they go into a repair shop or they go into a parts house. Um, we just want to make it easy for everyone, including women. Absolutely. And, and I think there's just so many unknowns when you are uh, someone who's taken their car in to get repaired or knows that you know you need a new part, something like that. Like there's there's so many unknowns in that whole process. I think anything you can do to make the consumer feel more at ease, feel more confident, feel like they actually you know are like controlling the process of like in in charge of the actual final product that gets there. Like that is super valuable. So it's it's been an amazing journey with uh, with Parts Pass. I, I think it's um, as you said, it can get a little bit crazy, but it's an awesome thing to build a business around and it's it's just inspiring to hear its growth we're seeing a lot of uh, do-it-yourselfers that are using the application but what's even interesting even more so is that we're we're seeing this new uh, new side of do it for me so people are going out there uh, whether they're having the vehicle diagnosed by a repair shop or something that's very plain sight People are buying parts and having their local repair shop install it for them. Or they're having one of these mobile technicians or mobile repair uh, services uh, come directly to their home and they provide that part. So a consumer would buy, for example, an alternator. And again, by going through Parts Pass, right, we provide quality parts. We provide OEM or name brand parts like Denso, AC Delco, some of these name brand parts. Um, so that way they know that they're getting a quality replacement part, let alone the price structure is just fantastic. And then they can have their mechanic install it. And more and more repair shops are accepting parts that a customer brings in because for them, it's let me monetize on the labor. And that way a consumer uh, just brings their own part and I'm perfectly content and happy with uh, making just that two to four to six hour labor and everyone's happy. And everyone's happy when they sign up for the podcasting to the max newsletter. That's one of those things. That's like proven by science. Like it's one of those things you learn at school. Score. It's one of those things you learn at school. You could sign up for the podcasting to the max newsletter at maxpodcasting.com slash newsletter. It's where podcasting meets entrepreneurship. So that means podcasting tips, entrepreneurship tips. And because it's max, just some terrible jokes and puns and and i try i literally come up with new jokes for it It, that it's very hard to do that (laughs) i'm just patting myself on the back there you can sign up at maxpodcasting.com slash newsletter now let's keep these parts moving along so let's get to the last part pun intended sorry stan i couldn't i couldn't resist yeah i couldn't go this long without another part pun let's wrap up with some rapid fire q a you ready for it let's do it all right, let's get wild. What is something most people would not know about owning or part owning a pawn shop? 
the amount of interest that builds up very quickly, I would uh, suggest against it. <laughs> interest? You, you mean interest on the financial sense, or interest in the like people wanting to participate? No, no, in the in the financial sense, yeah. Okay. They charge way too much for interest on on valuables. So I, and it, it's one of those things like a last resort. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Uh, literally, well, or it takes away sense. What is <laughs> nice? Another one. Oh, thanks. What is a weird talent or, or or a party trick you have? Something that you're really good at, but has no impact on your business whatsoever. I have a party trick. So if I'm drinking a can of Coke or a can of beer, I let maybe just maybe 10% of liquid in there and then I tilt it on its side and the weight distribution of the liquid allows the can to kind of hover at a 60 degree angle. It's pretty (laughs) neat. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember. Oh man, we used to do that. I think I've I've done it before, but I was always scared that it was going to like you know, fall over, lose your drink. But uh, I remember in school growing up, like that became a really big thing for a while. Uh, I haven't heard about that in so long. That's awesome. That's good. Always, uh, always here to entertain, Stan. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What is something your dad told you about being a hot dog vendor? Besides, besides it not, not paying well enough. What's something about his experience as a hot dog vendor that still sticks with you to this day? Oh my God. He told me that the, the, the individual that, allowed him to shadow him, dropped a whole stack of hot dogs on the floor, and then picked it up and proceeded to put it into the boiler and just cook it and distribute it. So my father was so disgusted at the individual, first and foremost, and his business practice. Uh, My dad was only there for one day and said, this is not for me. I'm done. Oh my God! I, I I knew where that story was going. I I don't blame him. That's uh yeah. Let's 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 hope the um, fryer boiler whatever you call them that you put the hot dogs. Let's hope that did a lot to take that bacteria out. And you no, know, those hot dogs still they might be unsold to this day. But <laughs> last one. What is your favorite lesson that your parents have taught you? You know, watching my parents, what they instilled in me is first of all strong work ethic, right? Keep your head down, work hard, never do anything illegal. And that alone will be valuable for you. Secondly is leave your emotions at the door. It's one of those things like you make decisions in life and emotions can really deter you from what's important. And you might regret the things you say or the things you do based on your emotions. So my mom is one of the teachers that taught me, leave your emotions at the door, give it 24 hours. And if you feel as passionately about whatever just happened, then pursue it. But aside from that, don't let your emotions cloud your judgment. That is awesome. A cloudy, a beautifully cloudy <laughs> way or not cloudy crystal clear skyway to wrap up stan this has been awesome thank you so much just really appreciate all you do and join in today sharing the parts pass story where is the best place for people to try out parts pass as well as uh, connect with you online yeah so currently parts pass is available on the apple app store and it's parts pass you can also go on our website which is partspass.app app follow us on social media which is parts pass and you can find me on social media on linkedin or on instagram stan 
underscore founder. Founder stand. Perfect. And then last thing, final thoughts. I know you've shared some life lessons. You've shared some some quotes. Maybe there's another quote. Some sort of just final one line word of wisdom to send us off here. Send us home. Always continue to pursue your passions. Never give up. Always showing up is key. And one step at a time will really help you grow as an individual. One step at a time, just like one part at a time. Moving parts. Stan, thank you so much for sharing the Parts Pass story, your wild and wildly cool story and background and everything in between. And thank you, wild listeners, for tuning in to another episode. Stan is the man and is offering a 15% discount on orders, $10 or more for wild listeners. You can do that in the Parts Pass app. The discount code is WBGP15, as in Wild Business Growth Podcast 15. That's WBGP15. And you can do that in the Parts Pass app for 15% off any order, $10 or more. If you want to hear more wild stories like this one, make sure to follow the Wild Business Growth Podcast on your favorite podcast app and tell a friend about the podcast and then quiz each other on cars and car parts and car movies. Why not? You can also find us on Good Pods where they're good pods. And for any help with podcast production, you can learn more at maxpodcasting.com and sign up for the Podcasting to the Max newsletter. That's at maxpodcasting.com slash newsletter. Until next time, let your business run wild. Bring on the bongos! Bongos!